This is Paul Davy, Yield Point Specialist for Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHF Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. National Weather Service Grand Forks-based meteorologist Alexandria Kent says widespread flurries uh, will continue this afternoon, but the main concern starts tomorrow when the winds kick up and may reduce visibility. Right now we are looking at some snow starting this afternoon, more like this evening, into tonight, and that is going to drop about one to two inches on us from a fast-moving clipper. Because it's so fast, we're actually kind of surprised that we're getting up to two inches. But some places, depending on different forces at play, we could see up to three inches possible. But that's going to be isolated and more localized. It's not going to be very widespread. And then as we head into tomorrow, the main concern then turns to winds kicking up after a cold front moves through, and that is going to cause snow to blow around. And the long-term forecast, once you get past this week, though, rather calm. You know, we are actually in for a stretch of quiet weather as we head into the rest of the period. We're looking at cold temperatures, however. Some of our max temperatures are going to be below zero, and we are looking at min temperatures pretty close to the minus 20s. So our concern really turns to those wind chills. We're looking at some minus 25, minus 30 wind chills coming up um, as we head into the weekend and into early next week. We could see some minus 40 wind chills. Um, however, we will know more once we get a little bit closer. Minnesota lawmakers are scrutinizing all aspects of the governor's budget proposal. Senate Agriculture Committee Chair Eric Putnam likes what he is seeing in the egg budget. One of the things that I think, at least that I've heard from a lot of farmers that they want, that's in the budget, is uh, some resources for a grain indemnity fund. Uh, and I think that's something that, as I understand, it's going to make farmers really happy. Um, there's also lots of resources for different elements of the economy, you know, biofuels and uh, um, those kinds of things, but also lots of resources for research to help us uh, fix some of the problems we got. So I think it's pretty balanced. There's places I'd like to see more money and whatever, but I think it's pretty good by and large. Putnam's wish list includes additional funding for beginning and emerging farmers. Decisions can be more difficult when there is a budget surplus. You know, this is my second term, first term I was in the minority, and now I'm in the majority, and someone told me once that it's a lot harder to be in the majority because you're always fighting with your friends. It's not like you're not fighting anymore, you're just fighting with your friends. And I'm not a super partisan guy, but the surplus uh, and the opportunity to make changes, it's a different kind of work. It's not easy. I mean, it's easier than farming, let me tell you that. Like, my job is not that difficult in that way, but uh, it does have its challenges. The Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation was happy to see many of their priority issues addressed in Governor Tim Wall's proposed budget. Minnesota Farm Bureau President Dan Glessing says it was great to see an emphasis on agriculture. Agriculture wasn't forgotten in the budget, you know, whether it's healthy soil grant program, the biofuels infrastructure uh, grants, we're really happy to see that in there as well. Get money for farm safety, the ag emergency account, of course, we, uh, after High path avian influenza last year showed us that we we were prepared, but we need to prepare, be prepared again. You know, if, if ASF or avian influenza comes back again, just having having some cash on hand so that we can deal with that in a timely and, and fast manner, so that the damage is minimized or as minimized as it can be. Glessing also says the budget would extend certain programming important to agriculture in Minnesota. 
some of that agricultural growth research and innova- innovation program. Uh, they've been doing a lot of good things. It was set to sunset, and so the budget moved that sunset date from June 30th of 2025 on up to June 30th of 2035. So, um, and, and the Senate heard a hearing on a report of what Agri is doing, and there's a lot of good things um, that even I didn't know until I, I sat through that hearing. Minnesota Governor Tim Walz has unveiled his plan for roads, bridges, and infrastructure. This plan, with this plan, $144 million will be allocated for local bridge replacement and $108 million for local road improvements. Senate Bill 2279 was introduced in the North Dakota Senate Agriculture and Veterans Affairs Committee today. It would allow for an agriculture exemption on commercial classified property. Crystal North Dakota farmer Lauren Easthead spoke in favor of the bill, citing his situation as reason for the bill's necessity. Um, 2009, I bought a 12-acre tract of agricultural land. Just out, At the time, it was outside the city limits of Crystal. I built the warehouse on it. I'm, I'm doing nothing different than a grain farmer does, harvest crop, put it in a truck, take it to a bin site, uh, offload it into the bin. That's what I'm doing with potatoes. So 2017, the land became commercial. They didn't tax the improvement on it, which was my warehouse, and then until the next year. And it resulted in my taxes going from $300 on that parcel of land to 32000 That's why I'm asking for a little bit of clarity in the current laws and, and hope you guys will support this. Bill Woken spoke in opposition of the bill on behalf of the North Dakota League of Cities, saying the bill could put additional tax burden on other commercial properties depending on the location of these egg-exempt properties. This bill proposes to add an exemption to property taxation for agricultural commodity storage structures storing specific agricultural products produced by the owner of the warehouse or their direct relatives. They could be located anywhere, and we're concerned about unintended consequences at that, that, that location factor might uh, introduce. The League of Cities has consistently opposed tax exemptions in the past on the grounds that each exemption only increases the tax burden for the properties that are not exempt. There are already 43 exemptions enumerated in this section of the Century Code, and we do not favor adding another. The bill has been tabled pending recommended amendments. The North Dakota House Agriculture Committee recommended a do-pass vote on a bill to provide funding for counties to provide rural development site analysis and help update local zoning rules. North Dakota Farmers Union Government Relations Director Matt Perdue was among those testifying in favor of this bill. This, this site analysis was conducted in over 90% of counties in South Dakota. Um, it's, a, it's a critical step to helping uh, local political subdivisions make informed uh, decisions about the future of economic development in their area. Um, this is also being piloted in two counties uh, in North Dakota right now. That's Trail County and Ransom County. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Due to budget concerns, North Dakota State University is scaling down from seven academic colleges to five. Vice President of Agricultural Affairs Greg Lardy says the merger plan does not impact the College of Agriculture, Food Systems and Natural Resources. The Ag Systems Management major is being eliminated. That is one that uh, we did, uh, unfortunately, as we looked at enrollments and needing to make some changes here, um, you know, just did decide that we would uh, need to teach that program out or phase it out over time here. 
Um, and it's really a function of enrollment. Um, unfortunately, the enrollment in that major has declined substantially over the last several years. And so as we evaluated the situation with the budget cuts we needed to make, um, that, that was one major that we decided we needed to to phase out of. Over the past six years, enrollment in the agriculture college declined from 1,600 students to just 1,000. Three departments are being affected by the budget cuts. They are plant sciences, agribusiness, and applied economics. And with this budget cut, we're making some uh, decisions that are very painful and will affect uh, a number of faculty and staff. Uh, but we need to get our, our teaching resources in line with uh, enrollment. And so that's unfortunately means that we need to make some very difficult decisions. Two bills dealing with the makeup of the North Dakota Beef Commission dominated the House Agriculture Committee's schedule this morning. Sioux County rancher Frank Tomek testified in favor of a bill that would open up the state beef checkoff program to elections. House Bill 1436 does create a better avenue for cattle producers statewide to voice their opinion, concerns, and even ideas through their local representatives who more than likely those producers will get to know them through the election process. It will better align all commodity groups in the state by making all commodities elected. The governor currently appoints members to the North Dakota Beef Commission. Gackle farmer and rancher Warren Zenker likes the current system. I just have one thing. We heard today from the proponents that the Beef Commission is doing a good job. We've heard it how many times? It's doing a good job. Then why are we fixing something that's not broke? I'm not understanding that. The committee did not take action on either bill. North Dakota Soybean Growers Association legislative liaison Phil Murphy is in Bismarck busy advocating at this year's legislative assembly. One bill NDSGA is watching involves grain storage sales exemptions. We testified on a bill that would allow a sales exemption for grain storage. Obviously, with uh, with the large amount of, of soybean crush that will be coming online here starting this year and, and also in 2024, possibly in 25 or 6, we're, we're going to be looking at expanded animal feeding operations to use some of that. Murphy says with increased soy crush coming to North Dakota, this would help provide year-round access to soybeans. We're trying to, to make room for some of that feed. It's going to change the way soybeans move out of the state. Currently, you know, around 90% of them do leave the state. So that'll change. If those three proposed all function, that'll take about 70% of the soybeans in North Dakota. So there won't be as many trains as the Pacific Northwest should it all come to fruition. They're trying to push sales tax exemption for more storage because the facilities themselves can't possibly store enough soybeans to use all year and they want them all year. So farmers are also going to have the opportunity or could increase their own storage. And while the grain trade continues to chase news headlines, Van On and Company market analyst Christy Van On says fundamental grain news has been quiet. February should offer us a couple bits of information with USDA's Outlook Forum. That's going to be their guess on, you know, their first guess, kind of unofficial guess on acres. And then from there, you're really going to focus, what do we see happening? we got Brazil starting to harvest. We know that Brazil should have a decent crop. But the big question comes, what happens in Argentina? Van On says Argentina's crop size will be a focus. You're going to be a while away before they start to harvest, so that'll be the big question. 
You're also going to be looking at Brazil and saying, what do they get planted for their second corn crop, their safrina crop, which is that big one. So um, it seems like there's a lot of news, but really all the news there is just, it's not beneficial. It's not, you know, hard news. And so until then, uh, you're looking at more technical trade, and that's not offering a whole lot of movement at this time. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Establishing a good stand is critical for final yield. BASF Regional Seed Treatment Account Manager Carrie Peterson says controlling wireworms in small grains is essential. The way wireworms work is as soon as that root germinates, gives off that CO2, it attracts those wireworms and they come up to that root, that, to that root zone and start feeding. And that just immediately is going to kill that crop. A lot of the competitor products on the market are just a lot of um, metacloprids that are going to essentially just kind of make that wireworm tired or drunk for a little bit, gives that plant a chance to get going. Well, then they wake up and then your populations are still there. Peterson says Taraxa uses a different mode of action on wireworms. What the broflanolide, which is the active ingredient Taraxa does, is it interrupts their nervous system and it causes overexcitation and decapitation and they die. So the populations are going to start going down as opposed to just um, slowing them down for a little bit. There are estimates in North Dakota could see canola acres approach 2 million acres this year. Pioneer Field agronomist Christy Sundin says that is a possibility, but the growth would have to come from the non-traditional canola areas. The traditional canola areas guys are widening out the rotation. Uh, anything that was running tight rotation this last year didn't do as well as they were expecting it to do and had some lodging issues, standability issues. So uh, soybeans are actually up in those geographies and canola's down a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. Canola seed is still available. Roundup ready, we're sold out of right now. Uh, we did get some approvals, so we might be having some optimum gly that comes available. Um, but we will see some this summer in plots, so definitely be on the lookout for that. If you if you like True Flex, very similar. Um, Liberty Link lineup-wise, uh, we do still have seed supply available. Uh, we have the P612, the P505, MSL, and then the P516L. So. Market's all stronger here at the end of the uh, session. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.